morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's time to ready this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I kid you not when I say this is easily the most number of stories I think I've ever had for an episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Or any talk show I've done, I think. But we're going to be going through them relatively quickly. And I'm going to start off with probably the only bit of CES news that I have here. Or the only bit of non-CES news, I should say, that I have here. And that being the Twitch feature that was announced and just kind of just dumped on us months later without, like, much fanfare in typical Twitch fashion. It is called the Hype Train. It is yet another weapon for Twitch to gamify generosity, which, granted, that's kind of the name of the game here. What it does is that it allows viewers to unlock additional emotes during a broadcast. Here's how it works. And everything I say here will vary from streaming to streamers. Streamers actually get a lot of options on how they set this up. After a number of viewers support the streamer in fashions that are supported by Twitch, so in this case, either cheering with bits or subscribing or gifting subscribers. When a certain number of those have been triggered by different people, in the case of my own channel, it'll be three, which is the lowest since, let's be honest, I'm a very small Twitch channel out there. It will then trigger a countdown. And this is something you might have seen other streamers do, just not in an official way like this. Another thing to also point out when it comes to cheers, only 100 bits and higher will trigger it. That is something us streamers cannot change. So just putting that out there. Then a countdown will start, and then the more supports that's thrown out during there will fill up a bar. And as bars are filled, everyone in chat will have emotes unlocked. Now, there's a couple of things I don't know, mostly because I have yet to witness a hype train actually happen. I don't know how long the timers are. I didn't see an option in my own. Let me actually bring up my dashboard real quick now that I'm like thinking about it. I believe, and I again, I could be wrong on this. I am pretty sure the only thing us streamers can set is just like, short and long. It doesn't say exactly how long each one is. I would need more time to test with each of them. Uh, Someone in the chat says it's something like five minutes, and that would make sense. The thing is, is that during that, all it takes is one bit of support to refresh the timer. We're going through, we're getting to our setting. Ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da. And then, yeah, it'll actually be shown under your affiliates or partner menu, whichever you happen to be. And then towards the bottom, you'll see an area that says hype train. The only thing we can set is the kickoff threshold. 
So anywhere between 3 and 25. In my case, it's 3. And then there's also goal levels. The difficulty for which each bar has to be filled up to unlock things. In my case, because I'm a very small channel, I set it to easy. There's five tiers of it. Easy, medium, hard, super hard, and insane. No details for us as to how much it is. The only note I have is completing level one on this difficulty requires your community to send a combined support events totaling 3.2 tier one subs. I don't know how you do 20% of a subscription, but I'll leave that. (laughs) I'll let someone else figure that out. Or 1,600 bits. The goal increases with each level. And then afterwards, there is a cooldown period, which that we can set. You can set it for anywhere between one to eight hours in one hour increments. In the case of my channel, it's one hour because, again, I'm small and I don't stream for all that long. Although I could just set the threshold for four hours and guarantee there'd only be one per stream, but regardless. So my thoughts on this feature... No matter how you look at it, it is, in fact, yet another step to gamify generosity. However, unlike other attempts at this, streamers can, in fact, just straight up disable it. So if a streamer does have a problem with gamifying the same thing with the with the leaderboards for sub gifting or bits in general you can just click it off now you as the viewer it's your choice no one has to participate in that. and and when all is said and done i think this is good i would like to see some of the third-party alert systems, mainly being Streamlabs and Stream Elements, because they're now the two top dogs, kind of find some way to have alerts integrate with this, other than, you know, the standard sort of way. But, you know, we'll see. I kind of like this. I have no problem with it. I just figured because this was launched with so little info, and it's just, This literally just dropped out with Twitch just saying, hey, this exists. Hi, bye. And giving us, like, nothing. Just nothing. People in the chat chat are saying that it would would make this super annoying. I, I could see that. Thing is, though, with that, the streamer then could adjust it. You'd at least then have some control. Because the thing, right now, the only control we have for how it's displayed is just the default Twitch way. But anyway, that that happened with, like, almost no fanfare, and I'm kind of amused by that. 
All right. Let's get into CES because there it is no understatement to say that there was a lot to come out of CES. Now, I'm just going to go through and I'm going to talk about each of the major things that I saw people report on. Granted, I know there is a ton of stuff I'm not going to talk about. Because CES is enormous. But I'm going to talk about a great majority of the good stuff. Such as Samsung's Project Neon. We talked about this last week, how Samsung said, We found a way to make artificial humans. Which then had everyone wondering, What could you possibly mean by that? Were there actually going to be like, cyborgs at CES? Were the Borg going to come walking around? Were there going to be robots that look scarily close to humans? Were they going to be, was it going to be something lame? Was it going to be a chat bot? Was it just going to be like, what what was it going to be? Well, it turns out a chat bot was the correct answer. Project Neon might, in fact, have been the biggest letdown at all of CES because of the amount of hype that Samsung tried to generate. And all we got were some pretty okay generated on the spot CGI people that would chat back with you. Just a 3D model of a of a human on a screen and it would talk back to you. And the animations of the people were noticeably off. Now that being said, it's still impressive that they got to this point. There could be potential for Project Neon down the road. But through all the demos and everything, it's just not no. Just no. Now, the thing that actually makes Project Neon so notable, because um, someone in the chat is talking about just like, wasn't this done in Japan like a few years ago? The difference there is that Japan, I forgot what the company was, but what they did in Japan with the um, with that sort of thing is they did motion capture and mimicked how a real person reacts. And then had a model simulate that. For this artificial human project, for Project Neon, no people were used as movement models. There was no motion tracking of the face when the when any of the artificial humans speak there was none of that going on. They were generated from the ground up by a computer simulation. Rather than, hey, we did a 3D scan of Keanu Reeves. 
and then had a then made a Keanu Reeves chat bot that just says you're breathtaking and you're breathtaking and look under your chair you're all breathtaking no one has done that by the way yet but they should but that's project neon it was uh yeah Not at CES, but, oh, wait, someone actually in the chat is saying someone might have actually done a Keanu, if someone did a Keanu Reeves chatbot in that sort of style, I have not heard about it. It, it might have existed. I'll, I'll, pu- I'll put that caveat. To, oh, no, they're not, they're not telling me I'm wrong. They're just telling me to stop that. <laughs> Okay, chat, fine, I will. We'll move on to instead. Facebook trying to claim that they're going to have enforcement against things like Project Neon. Facebook says they are going to be going out of their way to ban content on their platforms, plural, against people using what are called deep fakes, which is basically simulating a person's face and their voice and using computer programs to generate them doing things that they never actually did or saying things they never actually said. To which I say, okay, fine, you you go do... I understand why, why you're doing that. You know, we're going into, um, into an election year. You want to make sure that no one spreads any sort of fake hot garbage. But uh, here's what I'm going to have to say about that. Really, Facebook? You really think you are going to be the ones to do this spot on and nail it? Yeah, okay. You do that. Let me know how well that works for you. We'll, We'll see if Facebook doesn't actually, like, pull down stuff that's real because... Facebook can't even keep their front door closed. We're going to start the CES stuff with displays. LG has shown off a huge lineup of 48-inch TVs. And the interesting thing about these 48-inch TVs is twofold. One, they're all OLED. OLED is going to be the big thing for TVs right now. The other big thing, of course, is going to be 4K. The 4K push is going to be huge. There's some 8K prototypes we're going to talk about later on, but right now, I can just tell you this right now. 2020, OLED, 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 OLED. Going to be even bigger-er this year but that's going to be the big thing them showing off smaller TVs not just big ones but even smaller 48 inches that are going to be more affordable so you can have that quality you get from OLED but a price that say some scrub streamer could afford I'm not going to lie. I wouldn't mind having a, a 48 inch. I 
I criminally underutilize it because all I use my TV for is to play YouTube videos while I fall asleep, or put on or put on a Twitch streamer struggling at uh, at Danganronpa while I sleep. One of the two. I've done it. Don't look at me like that. So that what that's what LG's push for the actual market is going to be. Meanwhile, over at Samsung, they have developed a no bezel TV. For those who don't know, a bezel is what's referred to on a display, the border around the actual screen itself that does not display anything. So like, for example, I've got three monitors here. They have, oh, what's that about a centimeter? Half of a centimeter, something like that. About three quarters of a centimeter or something of a black plastic bezel around the actual screen. And usually the bezel is where a whole bunch of components are stored to make the screen function. This TV doesn't have any of that. It is a QLED 8K TV, no bezel. Chat saying that zero bezel will be the new negative latency. There's a difference, though, between uh, zero bezel and negative latency. Zero bezel is possible! <laughs> Take that, Google! You and your zero, your negative latency nonsense. Just saying. Now, there's no word if this TV is actually going to be real, he says, scrolling down through the article to double-check this. Yeah, there's no word whether the, if this is actually going to be a commercial product that's going to be available yet. But more than likely not. This is probably this is probably yet again another demo piece to show this is the future. Which granted, this is what CES is about. It's showing off what is the future. That being said though, LG also wanted to show off their Almost no bezel displays that also had 8K, both in the form of OLED and LCDs. And so, as you can see, the TV wars continue in the year 2020. And once again, the battlers are LG and Samsung yet again. LG, though, really pushing hard by the fact that their TVs support all the assistance. HomeKit, AirPlay 2, Google Assistant, the Amazon Echo Assistant program that starts with an A and also ends with an A. (laughs) Can we just all agree... That we should stop calling Alexa by that name because we know it's going to trip every single Echo device that someone has when they listen to something like that. (sighs) And yet, no one listens. No one listens at all. 
Meanwhile, in TV land that no one asked for, Samsung has introduced the Cero TV, which actually should theoretically be a TV that is actually going to be available for you to buy. I would argue why you would buy this. It is a TV that rotates. And I don't mean by physically rotating it. I mean, all my monitors here can rotate. I'm not going to do that because that would ruin my setup. But the whole point of it is that if you are going ahead and you're watching content in the normal 16 by 9 aspect ratio as a normal human would, you could also bring up videos that were shot improperly in the wrong format, like, say, on TikTok, and then watch those videos in the correct format because the TV will automatically rotate for you and show your TikTok video in the correct format aspect ratio by that i mean the incorrect aspect ratio because all of you that make these videos in the wrong format are the problem the problem is not that we needed a routine tv the problem is all you scrubs out there that can't take your phone and hold it in the correct format to tape your memes That's the problem! It's not the fact there wasn't a TV in the right aspect ratio! Yes, I actually got this mad when I saw the Cero TV. You're the problem, not the TV! This was a, this was a solution to a problem that never should have existed. That being said... It is pretty cool that Samsung went and made a rotating TV to help solve the problem that these twits made by holding their phone wrong. Meanwhile, over at Acer, they have too created a giant 55-inch 4K OLED computer monitor that does in fact support G-Sync. That's the other really big push. The big push right now, and this actually was on all the um, all the smaller LG monitors too, they support higher refresh rates and G-Sync and FreeSync. More and more displays that were originally just made for, you know, your 24 frame per second or your 30 frame per second movie are now looking at gaming and saying, you know, we can do that too. And being able to do 60, 144, 240 refresh rates and supporting G-Sync and FreeSync to reduce screen tearing. And this is actually kind of interesting that more and more are supporting this. Someone in the chat actually brings up a very, very good point. Why doesn't the phone fix this? (laughs) 
Why has no... Come on, Apple. Come on, Camera King Apple. Shoot widescreen when they're holding the phone wrong. I'm sure actually someone who knows more than... Oops. I'm sure someone who actually knows more than I do will explain to me in more detail than I ever wanted as to why that's technologically impossible. I'm sure there is a reason for it. At the same time, though, I say where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, for crying out loud. We have a TV now that rotates to correct your mistake. But do you remember originally one of the reasons why everyone switched to OLED? No, it's not because... Well, it is. But but in this case, it is not because of the better colors. It's not because of the deeper blacks or anything of that nature. No. It's because unlike LCD, OLED is bendable. Last year, LG actually showcased off, which to my knowledge is not available yet, a soundbar in which the TV rised and unrolled out from the soundbar to give you your screen. Well, LG has now evolved it to instead make the TV unroll down like a projector screen, except, you know... It's not just a white screen. It's the entire TV unrolling from the ceiling. I don't know why I want it, but I kind of want it. At least until I start seeing something more impressive. It just sounds like something cool. You know, just like walk into a living room, you've got you've got your couch there, and you have friends and family coming, and they're just like, "All right, we're gonna go watch a thing." Where's the thing we're watching it on? And then you just like, hold, then you just like hold out your phone that just has like the the button that unrolls it, and then just snap your fingers at the same time. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> you know what's cooler though? The entire wall being a TV. All right, I take that back. I want this instead. The Samsung's wall is back and bigger and better than ever. Last year, the wall was shown off. It is it is using a display technology called micro-LED. And what makes the wall so amazing is not the fact that the wall can now be, what is it, 292 inches. That's how big it can be. But... In addition to that, it's using micro-LED, which means that the longevity and the burn-in of OLED is not a factor. But what's even cooler about the wall is that it is not one piece. The wall is made up 
of bezel-less blocks that piece together seamlessly to make the giant TV. And yes, unfortunately, I don't actually have a picture right here for those watching live. You can shape it to abstract shapes. You could even shape it to be a giant portrait e-sign if you wanted. This is what the future of TVs actually is going to be. Granted, this future is probably another four to five years out, but micro LED is going to be what eventually replaces OLED. OLED basically replaced plasma. Micro LED will replace OLED and LCD. Hands down. Someone in the chat asks, can the wall be the color of the wall when it's off? Yes. They will notice something's off when your wall glows because, of course, the wall TV emanates light. But the thing is is that it'll just look black. It'll just look like a black square on the wall. So, I mean, for the whole purpose of, like, a stealth living room sort of setup, it's not good for that. You'd want something more like the rollable TV. But as far as just, like, we're not even going to try hiding it, we just have a massive, amazing top-tier TV. The wall is the way to go. We're going to take our first break here when we come back. The gaming side of CES and... The, the gaming side, the weird side, and of course, the best in show, which I guarantee you is going to be rant heavy. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, one thing I did not mention about the Samsung wall, they did also show off a smaller version of it, only 75 inches, and they believe this would be the ideal version of the product that would actually be for consumers. The 300-inch one, I mean... uh, (laughs) Uh, let, 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 let's be honest. The only people who are going to buy that are movie theaters and big businesses that want to make a big statement at a press conference. They are also saying this version can of course do up to 8k, 10k and even beyond that. Down the road. Oh, hey, look at that. I do have pictures of the uh, more unusual designs. Because, of course, because it's a modular system, you can just put it however you want. No word as to when this smaller version would be available. I doubt we're going to see it this year. I will just 
put that out there. Over the more gaming side of things, Samsung has revealed the Odyssey G9, which looks like a gaming monitor stole stolen straight out of the Aperture Science Test Laboratory. It is a curved ultra widescreen gaming monitor with a staggering resolution of 5120 by 1440. And will either be available as a 32 inch or a 27 inch monitor. The whole point of this display is to first off make it impossible to stream with because I mean, how are you going to stream with that aspect ratio? I'm sure there's a way. But more importantly, to be a curved display and to actually give a better sense of immersion. The giant screen, which I also missed the thing in the headline, can go up to 49 inches, will have a 240 hertz response time and i'm sorry i still can't get over the fact that it looks like something that is part of glados like people in the chat here can agree with me here it's got this glossy white look to it with a glowing blue possibly rgb light up core in the middle of it where it attaches to the monitor stand Like, I'm definitely getting some Portal vibes from it. I just am. There is also a black version of it. So, you know, if you're looking for a Black Mesa vibe instead of a Aperture Science vibe, you can go that route as well. I honestly would just embrace it and just get the white one. I'm usually one who likes black tech over white. Just because black hides grime a lot better. White, unfortunately, when it comes to computer tech, if it gets dusty, it's noticeable. If I go and reach over to adjust a monitor to adjust the to adjust like say the camera on it a little bit, if it's white, my fingerprints are gonna show like that instantly. But of course, the best part about this, like someone in the chat just mentioned. You most likely will never see the back. Some of the chat just asked how how big is the bezel. Bezel's actually modern. The bezel on the screen itself is not that remarkable. It's a small bezel. It's smaller than what I've got on mine, but my monitors are a decade old. It appears to be like less than a centimeter, maybe half a centimeter thick. Maybe a little less than that. I mean, for what it is, it's cool. From my perspective as someone who streams quite frequently, in fact, that's what his gaming that's what my gaming PC is, basically. I use it for streaming. And if I'm streaming, it's gonna be 16 by 9. There's no way I'm gonna use any other super wide aspect ratio. For me, this monitor is useless. There's going to be black sidebars on everything I use because I am going to, without a doubt, use it in 16 by 9 
because that's the only way I'm going to broadcast it. But there you go. Now, the whole thing about refresh rates. Right now, the highest that's out there is 240 hertz. Actually, I'm pretty sure that's the highest. 240 hertz, is that the highest? It's the most common highest one. Maybe there's one that's slightly higher. Asus, however, has taken up a notch. Asus has officially created the first 360 hertz gaming monitor. It can actually refresh 360 times every second. That is impressive. And I have no idea if that will ever underline ever help anyone. Now, there is actual evidence to show that higher refresh rates do actually give you a competitive advantage. Granted, if you're good enough. Like, I guarantee you, a 120 hertz, a 140, no matter how many, how big a hertz monitor you throw in front of me, I will still suck at every single first-person shooter because I am terrible at them, hands down. But it actually has, and, and I'm, I'm being serious here. Chat's doubting me. I actually am serious. that It has been tested that higher refresh rates do help. But there is, of course, a fall-off point. I doubt any good esports player is going to be made better by having a 360 hertz gaming monitor. I do doubt it. But only time will tell. I just reached for an empty glass. That's disappointing. Moving off into laptop land, though. Acer went to show off that they actually want to make computers that don't suck. We now have the Acer Concept D7 easel. A professional laptop that has a flip kind of easel screen that's kind of on a hinge and you can put either closer to you, angle it, flip it around, turn it into a tablet. You can do all sorts of things with it. It is, and it has the hardware for professional editors. The thing is going to be loaded with, and I want to make sure I have this right, an NVIDIA GeForce RTX graphics, a 10th generation Intel Core H-series processor, and up to 32 gigabytes of memory and up to 2 terabytes of NVMe storage. The bigger version, the Concept7 easel, will have the option for Xeon mobile processors and Quadro RTX graphics and ECC memory. So to actually be a real mobile workstation. Both versions have three Thunderbolt 3 ports, a display 1.4 output, HDMI 2.0, and an SD card slot. Wow, what a concept. I know, right? I can't believe that 
other professional laptops don't have that apple inside they did reveal the um oh i'm sorry we also have the concept d 700 workstation this one will feature a xeon e processor up to an rtx 4000 gpu up to 64 gigabytes of ECC RAM and NVMe storage and outfitted with either 2.5 and 3.5 inch drives. So, you know, it's going to basically be an entry level desktop workstation. It's basically going to be barely powerful enough to compete with the Dell Precisions and the HP Z series and the think stations that's good water that being said though i actually do kind of like the the white finish on it with the the wood grain top that is actually a nice little touch and it actually is well proof that uh Acer actually does want to make real computers, ones that do real work, as opposed to the toys that Acer has pretty much been known for for over a decade for making. Maybe I'll actually have to change my opinion about Acer. Maybe I'll actually see Acers at the off-lease sites. That's too crazy for me. The Concept 7 Easel will start at $2,700, and the Concept Easel Pro will start at three grand. So unlike... All of Acer's cheap toys, they will, in fact, be expensive laptops. So the quality better be there. Meanwhile, though, Samsung has revealed their longer-lasting Galaxy Book Flex Alpha. Or maybe it's supposed to be the Flex A, but... Tech Radar here is using a weird font for the A. No, that has to be alpha because the A over there looks normal. Regardless, Samsung is making a 2-in-1 laptop that is going to be running Windows 10 featuring a 13.3 QLED display and start at around $830. The specs, as I search through to try and find them, will feature a theoretical 17.5-hour battery, we'll see, weighing in at 1.19 kilograms. So that's about two-ish pounds. I'm bad at converting kilograms to pounds off the top of my head. I'm relatively decent at converting every other bit of metric to, to Imperial. But a- anyway, we it is going to be seeing a 10th generation Intel Core processor, 8, 8 or 12 gigabytes of RAM, between 256 gigabytes and 1 terabyte of internal storage, 
no word beyond that. Now, to get that battery life, I have to assume it's going to be an ultra-low voltage processor. I have a hard time imagining it's not going to have that. But hey, it is, in fact, going to be a cheap laptop option out there, and I'm all for that, as long as the quality is there. Speaking of quality and durability questions, the ThinkPad X1 Fold was shown off, and this is a... uh, I'm skeptical. It is a laptop that is made of one screen. One screen that folds. You know, like the Galaxy Fold. You know, that screen that was hilariously fragile. Yeah, well, it's it's here in a laptop now. Yay. No word on the specs or anything of that nature. I wouldn't expect this thing to exist for a while. I'm actually just quickly skimming through. Make sure that there is no... Oh, here we, oh wow. It actually is going to be a real thing. The ThinkPad X1 Fold will have Windows 10 and be expected to be available in the middle of... 2020 expecting to start at $2,500. Oh God. Folding laptops are really going to be a thing, aren't they? Spec wise. I'm not sure if I had, if you, if you held a gun to my head and said, make up specs. Now I would guess we're going to be seeing 10th generation Intel processors between 60 and 32 gigs of RAM, between 256 gigs and a terabyte of storage, and not really a whole lot of power outside of that. Oh, here we go. Powered by Intel Core processors with Intel hybrid technology. So even they don't know what it's going to have in it. <laughs> they just buzzwords. That, that's literally Lenovo's answer. You want to know what specs are? Uh, 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 buzzwords. Buzzword, 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 buzzword. Oh, there is going to be optional 5G co- connectivity, though. So there's that. Lenovo has also claimed the thinnest gaining laptop in existence with the Legion Y740S. A thin and light gaming laptop that I imagine is going to sound like a jet engine. The specs of this thing are going to be no slouch, using up to a 10th generation Core i9 processor, an unknown GPU, which instantly, instantly should make you be very afraid of this laptop. We have no idea what the GPU is going to be. It's going to have up to 32 gigs of of RAM, up to a terabyte of storage, a terrible battery having only 60 watt hours, and weigh 4 point, we'll basically say 4.2 pounds or 1.9 kilograms. This thing is either going to thermal throttle itself or be terrible. 
there's no way it's going to do either. There's no way it's going to do neither of those things. The fact that it's that they're refusing to tell us what GPU is going to be in there says a lot. And if you're going to try and claim, oh, it's a gaming laptop because it has eGPU support, well, then guess what? Every laptop in existence, then, is a gaming laptop! <laughs> you have not impressed me, Lenovo. Not at all. What does impress me and also make me concerned is a laptop we talked about before, the Latitude 9510. A business laptop that actually looks like Dell cares about looks again. Thank God. But the more impressive thing about this about this machine is the claimed and I want to stress claimed 30 hours of battery life. And they are getting this with supposedly a 10th generation Intel Core processor. Alright, so it's going to end up being an ultra low voltage. There's no way it's not going to be. Because the thing is that there is a, a hard limit as to how much battery you can put into a laptop. The hard limit is is 99 watt hours. You can't go above that. Or is 100 watt hours. Regardless. Once you go above that, you've it's now a laptop that can't be allowed on airplanes. So once you've hit that threshold, the rest of it has to be done with, well, making everything else lower power draw. All right, we'll see. I mean, it's just the latitude. It's not like it's a precision laptop, something that actually requires power. So I could see it being decent for that. Also in the Dell world, the XPS 13 laptop is back and this time with even thinner bezels except at the top where they stuffed the webcam in and brings back 16 by 10 aspect ratio it's back now it's just as thin just as light as before and can even support a 4k display but someone in the chat points out something very interesting you notice what i've said is in every single one of these laptops intel 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 and no the reason isn't because AMD's mobile laptops, mobile laptop chips are terrible. I think this is very telling that everything that's being shown off is Intel powered. I'd say it's very possible 
that these builders have a contract with Intel. And it's going to be very hard for AMD to get in there. We'll get more into that when we actually get to the AMD side of things here. But first, sticking with our little Dell block, let's talk about the Alienware UFO. The Alienware UFO, which for some reason this article has... Oh, there we go. The Alienware UFO is a small switch tablet. You heard me right. It is a very small, like I want to say 7-inch mini tablet or 6.5. I can't remember. What size is the switch? I don't think this article actually says what size the screen is, unfortunately. But basically, it has slide-on controllers on both sides, like a Nintendo Switch. But the whole thing is powered by Windows and is powered by, yes, an Intel 10th generation CPU. And no dedicated GPU. They could not fit one in and have the battery life be acceptable now the ufo is a concept they have no scheduled release date for it and they're still looking for feedback on it hey alienware you want some feedback put an amd chip in it it is the biggest no-brainer decision without a shadow of a doubt it is the easiest is the easiest decision you could make for a device like this. Why? Oh, why would you stick an Intel CPU with the worst graphics in the entire industry into a gaming product? AMD is right there for performance. They have the laptop chips ready And their integrated GPU is worlds better than Intel's. And consume roughly the same amount of power, or in some cases be more power efficient. So why? Oh, why? Would you take this obvious design flaw in the device. Now, fortunately, it is, in fact, just. It, it, I mean, it, it is just a concept device. I would love to see this come out, and I would love to see it actually have the correct system on a chip inside. I mean, since it's just a PC, you could just hook up a keyboard and a mouse to it and just. It'd be the return of the M11X. I mean, it really would be. For those who don't know, long ago when netbooks were the big thing, Alienware made a very bold decision, and a lot of people say it was a dumb decision, of making an 11-inch gaming laptop. And granted, it was expensive and bad at what it did. I mean, it was a small screen. The keyboard was cramped. 
and all they could get in there was a Core 2 Duo with a GTX uh, uh, 315. Like, that's all you could get. But the, the thing is, is that it had a discrete GPU. If they made a more modern version of that, it would be an ideal system for just taking with you and just plopping out when you're space constrained. It's hard to like whip out a 15 inch gaming laptop, but something that small, you could justify that. Now, I wouldn't want to pay a grand for that, and that's probably how much it would cost. But I can see something like this being a good decision. I'm curious where Project UFO will go. Just like I'm also curious on the Intel side of things, their new NUC. The rumors were correct. Intel has, in fact, made a modular NUC. Now, I'm not trying to sound weird by saying NUC over and over and over again. That is actually what it's called. It actually had a... I forgot what it was supposed to be. What what NUC is supposed to stand for. But I digress. The new design of the NUC, known at codename Ghost Canyon, is a four-piece computer. Power supply baseboard, compute module, and GPU. Power supply is pretty self-explanatory. It provides power. The baseboard has what looks like two PCI Express slots on it. The compute module plugs into one of the two PCI Express slots, and that has, on one board that looks like a GPU, your processor, your RAM, your M.2 NVMe storage, and all the I.O. for the computer built right on it. Now, unfortunately, it's using mobile processors, so you're not going to get a whole lot out of it. But because of the power supply and the fact you can put a full-size GPU in there, you can actually get a respectable, compact gaming system that is roughly the size of a lunchbox. All you would need is some system builder to create the enclosure. Enter Razer, who has, in fact, done just that. The only downside is that Razer did not put a handle on it. That being said, though, I'm interested... And I'm curious how close the performance will be. Like, would you be able to just say, bring one of these to a LAN party? Or heck, if you're looking for like a gaming PC that is like the size of a game console, and you're just looking like, oh, hey, we'll swap that out, bring over the PS4, take out the PS4, put this gaming PC in there. I'm curious. I'm curious how it'll go. I can't wait for those with more money than me to get their hands on this and benchmark it. And then finally, I think this is actually my last Intel story. Yes, this is my last Intel story, I think. (laughs) 
Intel did, in fact, finally show off its discrete GPU card. It is real, and it is going out to developers first before we get our hands on it. And yes, the rumors were correct. It is going to be terrible because it is basically their integrated GPU on a dedicated card. So Intel has once again disappointed us. Who knows? Maybe their new integrated GPU will actually be good. But, uh, man. It's looking more and more like the Intel GPU is going to be for data centers. And not for anyone in the consumer space. Meanwhile, AMD... AMD just decided to unleash everything. They have unveiled their Radeon 5600 GPU, which by far was their weakest thing in their entire lineup. It is supposed to compete directly with the GTX 1660 Ti. We'll see how all that goes for them. Honestly, I am not excited about it. I'm not. Because it's not going to hurt NVIDIA where it has to. AMD needs to put out the 5800. We need to see what Navi can really do. That's the only way AMD is going to make a good dent in NVIDIA. And they need to put a good dent in NVIDIA. However, we also got to see, and I want to make sure I have a, do I actually have a thing for this? I do not, unfortunately. They also revealed their mobile Ryzen 4000 processors, which are interesting for a number of reasons. Their processors are able to sip as little power as 15 watts while still having 8 CPU cores. Now, 15 watts actually is kind of a lot if you compare it to an ultra-low voltage processor. Intel will still be the king of low-powered thin and light laptops. But, To go from 1.8 gigahertz, which is their base clock, which is really low for 15 watts, and be able to boost up to 3.6, you know, now you're going somewhere. Sipping at the low tier clock speeds at the, at the low end, you just, just do your word stuff or your bookkeeping at low end. But then when you actually need to go and... You you need to satisfy your your World of Warcraft itch, then it can really pu- put put out performance. You know this could go places. This actually could be a decent all rounder processor, like say for oh I don't know that Alienware Switch thing we were just talking about. 
And then on top of that, you've got Navi GPUs in there, which is going to be infinitely better than what they're going to have on the Intel side of things. And then, of course, not content with that, AMD then also showed off what is now the biggest, most powerful consumer desktop processor on the planet. The Ryzen Threadripper 3990. A 64-core processor. Which, and I want to make sure I get the clock speeds correct on this. Are not talked about. Oh, here we go. Which has a 2.9 gigahertz base clock speed and will boost up to 4.3 gigahertz. And I believe it actually has an all-core boost of 3.6 or 3.7. Unfortunately, this article does not mention it. But I do recall the 4.3 does not use all 64 cores. You want to talk about a chip that is going to redefine the high-end space? It's this processor. The processor is supposed to have a 280-watt power draw. I imagine it could end up being higher than that. And if you try to air-cool this thing, I will come to your house, I will point at you, and I will laugh at you as you thermal throttle this behemoth that you spent $4,000 on! Chat's thinking it's going to take up to 700 watts on its own. I I would not doubt that. I will not doubt that at all. I will also say, as much as I want a 64-core behemoth single CPU, there I have no reason to buy. No one has any reason to buy this. Unless you are a video, unless you're a professional who needs this many blasted cores to do whatever you're planning on. We're already, we're already past time and we have a lot more to go. We're going to take another break here when we come back. The weird stuff and the CES awards. Boy, do I have a rant for you. Okay, parachute's ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 1.04% APR for 36 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. 
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. You know what was big at CES this year? Teeth care. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. Colgate actually showed off an electric toothbrush with built-in sensors to tell you how clean your teeth are. You know what the beauty of this, though, is? You wouldn't need to hum happy birthday to yourself. You wouldn't need to know, did I brush long enough? Just brush until it says clean. That actually could be kind of cool. No word as to when it will come out, but it is saying that it'll be somewhere between. Oh, no, I read that wrong. It will be about a $200 toothbrush. Apparently, this isn't new. Oral-B already has a toothbrush that does this. Oh, no. Okay, I see. No, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. Oral-B has a toothbrush that vibrates every 30 seconds for each quadrant that you brush. Whereas this one actually uses a sensor that accurately says it's clean. Rather than using a timer to estimate if it's clean. Now we know. In a somewhat unrelated story, the Y-brush was invented. It looks like a retainer with bristles in it, and you just pop it in your mouth for ten, for, for 10 seconds, and it just brushes all the teeth at once. Except, like, it's only one side, so you have to flip it around after 10 seconds and do the other side as well. This thing is going to is going to be a real product and will be available for $125. But uh, chat also has some of the same questions that I have. What? Not every mouth is the same shape. So what if your jaw's slightly off? Isn't there a chance it's going to ignore a tooth then? Because, like, it's not custom fit for you. So this could be something that maybe it's flexible enough. Maybe it doesn't need a custom fit. Maybe it'll get everything working. But I, maybe I'm just a crazy skeptic, but I am very skeptical. But it actually was something that people were talking about quite a lot at CES. Smart cameras were also talked about quite a bit. Ones running on both your AC power as well as unique ways to power them. Whether it be just just on, you know, batteries, solar power. 
more and more cameras being showcased off. On top of that, the Samsung Galaxy Home Mini Smart Speaker is actually coming out. So you too can get an Echo-like device, but instead is run on the world's worst, underlying worst, virtual assistant ever known as Bixby. And if you use Bixby, I'm sorry, you're wrong. It's terrible. Don't do that. Friends don't let friends use Bixby. No word as to how much the Samsung speaker will cost, but it's back trying to claim that it will, in fact, exist. What does, in fact, exist... Chat saying if you're using any smart speaker, you're wrong. Uh... I I use one. Does that mean I'm wrong? That being said, I use mine for very basic, dumb things. And also, I live alone, so there's not much for them to spy on. Oh, okay, I'm wrong. Chat says I'm wrong. You shouldn't listen to me. All right, so while you're not listening to me, let's talk about how there is an echo built into a shower head. My, my echo in the other room just got set off. I don't know what it's doing right now. But there you go. <laughs> you now have an echo speaker built into a shower head. No camera built into it. Thank God. But with microphones and everything. And yes, the speaker is removable. So it is going to be water waterproof. It is battery powered. You would need to take it out and plug it in every so often. But you know, honestly, as someone who listens to the radio while he's taking a shower, usually a news station or something like that, just to keep in touch with the world on my way out. I kind of like the idea. I kind of do. Hmm. This one is being built by Kohler. No word as to when it will be available. But it will be $160 for the whole thing. Wait, no. No, the showerhead is going to be $70. It is $100 for the speaker or $160 for a version with built-in echo capability. So for the whole thing, you are talking two hundred and thirty U.S. dollars for a mediocre shower head with a speaker built into it. Pass. I appreciate your your try, but that's kind of silly. However, if you want an Echo within your Lamborghini, that will be a thing that is now available in your supercar. Who asked for this? I know a lot of people are asking for Echoes and Siri and whatnot in a whole lot of various features. But who actually asked for it in a Lamborghini? 
But it's it's now a thing. You can drop your three hundred grand or whatever on a car with an echo built into it. Dinguses. Although that being said, the center console on this version actually does look kind of cool. But then again, I am a sucker for cool looking techno screens. Now, chat's actually onto something. If the car was self driving, that would be another thing. Just saying, hey, Echo, drive me to Starbucks. Now you're onto something. Echo, shut up! The keyword for my Echo Dots actually in my apartment actually is Echo. So now the one in the bathroom is going nuts. Because I said Echo loud enough for it to be heard. Switching gears radically, TCL is talking about making their own big foldable phone and everyone's saying, this could be trouble for the Motorola Razr. Look at this. This mystery company is making a phone that looks exactly like the Galaxy Fold, except with no outside screen. And And they say it could be affordable without saying a number on how affordable it could be. Oh, that's bad news for for Motorola. Oh, no. You're all stupid. Like, that's the reason this is in here. I'm actually shocked how much of the tech media is blown away by a freaking Galaxy Fold knockoff that is going to be, quote, affordable, even though they won't. Mention a price! How can you get excited about it being affordable if you're not going to mention what the price is? And I got to agree with with, uh, chat here. You need the external screen. Because when push comes to shove, I am not going to open my phone every time to use it i would want the front screen to just take the call because the last thing i want to do like imagine having to do this every time you get a call pick up phone open phone hit accept close phone hold phone up to ear to answer call Like, to me, this is dead on arrival. And if your whole thing is going to be you're affordable, then you better present a number. Because until you present a number, you are dead to me, period. I'm sorry. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I'm sure they mean the best. And I'm sure it actually might be like an $800 phone or something that's actually affordable. But until you do it, you're dead to me. Let's shift gears. Let's talk about fridges. Because, of course, there were smart fridges at CES. 
Samsung and LG both have created artificial intelligence-powered refrigerators. Because that's something you need in your life, don't, don't you know? You needed a fridge that can scan its own contents and tell you what's inside. And in fact, LG, I don't know about Samsung, but LG in particular uses a transparent LCD. So when the screen is off, you can just see through the window to see what's in it. The logic behind this is so that you have an itemized list of what's in the fridge. So those rare moments when you're going through and trying to find where the ketchup is or the mayo or the milk, if you can't find milk in your fridge, I don't know. I can't help you. You could, you would at least have a list that you could just see in a moment's notice. Oh, we're out of this. We're out of that. We're out, we're out of the other thing. There are some advantages to it. That being said, I don't think this multiple thousand dollar solution, which by the way, we still do not. Oh, there we go. This $4,500 to $6,000 fridge is the right idea. Oh no, these are estimates. I'm sorry. Those numbers I just gave you are estimates as to how much this overkill solution is for a refrigerator. That being said, I could totally see one being used for, say, showing off. Kind of like how seeing these chef robot arms to show off could definitely be a thing. Samsung has created salad-making chef robot. Robot arms that hang from a ceiling onto a counter and makes the salad for you. Uh, See, chat's now onto something. We combined the fridge with the robot arms. But back to what Samsung actually did. The robot can make up to 35 different salad recipes that it currently has. And uh, I got to say, this is a good step. But I want to see it work better. I want to see these robot arms start cooking at least as good as Alton Brown. Or better yet, let's get them skilled enough to to cook as good as Gordon Ramsay and start and start having it call me a stupid donkey at the same time. We can start evolving this. There's a lot of potential in the chef bot. Now, of course, This is a CES demo. It is not available yet. It is probably never going to be available for the average consumer. It is just cool robotics, and there isn't even a price yet for it. That being said, though, speaking of food, my nemesis, Impossible Foods, was back showing off something that is definitely not consumer electronics at all. 
they did show off more consumables in the fact they were showing off their plant-based meat. But once again, they're here showing off plant-based meat. This time, going for pork instead of beef. Now, you now for new listeners might be wondering, what's my beef with Impossible Foods? Impossible Foods showed off their Impossible Meat or Beef last year. And they won no less than five CES awards with a non-consumer electronic product. The concept of plant-based meat isn't something that offends me. I mean, go for it. Let the consumer market decide. I should actually see if I can actually have impossible meat on my diet right now. Maybe I should just try one. But it, it has no... It it doesn't belong here. But it's here. But we'll get to them a bit more in a moment. Now, in a world where you have plant-based meat, where you have robot arms making your food, and you can just have a completely automated robot restaurant, how do you get the food out to the customers? Enter the Poodoo Tech robot. This cat-like robot is completely self-driving and will bring food out to the customers in basically the most basic way possible. It's a robot with a LCD on the front screen that looks that has like a cute little kitty face on it. But to say that it's a robot, the only part about that is is the fact that it's a self-driving basically Roomba. The trays on it hold the food, but someone else has to put the food on the trays and the people receiving the food have to take the food off the trays. And then afterwards, the customers then hit a button on the robot to then send it off. But probably the most adorable thing out there is the fact that the robot, I kid you not when I say this, will react if you pet it. I am dead serious. It'll make cute faces if you pet it or scratch one of its fake ears. And it actually is kind of adorable. But yeah, it uses motion tracking and all, and all that to make sure it doesn't run into anyone to avoid obstacles. And I I could see this being a thing soon. TM. No word on pricing, of course, for obviously businesses using it. Because, I mean, this isn't going to be something you use at your house. Not at all. 
And chat's probably correct. We're going to see it in Japan first. In fact, that's probably the target of this. Oh, here's the actual name of it. It is called the Bella Bot. And I actually do recommend looking it up and actually watching the video for yourself. Moving on, we have the Julia Smart Cooking System. A pressure cooker that can even clean itself. This is actually more something that you could see in a home. You load the thing up, you follow the recipe on a tablet-like device, and it basically does most of the hard work for you, keeping everything at a consistent temperature, or if the recipe requires the temperature to be dropped at a certain point, doing that all automatically for you. And even running a cleaning cycle on itself, by itself. It's it's kind of neat. It's 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 interesting. I personally wouldn't use it, but then again, I'm a lot more hands-on when it comes to cooking. The next mind shifting gears radically once again as we reach the end of our CES roundup here is a device that reads your thoughts and controls a computer using it. It doesn't get much more sci-fi than this. It's a device that you put onto your head and has probes that touch your skull. Well, not, well, you know what I mean. It touches the skin on your skull, not digs into your skin to your skull. You, You know what I mean. Reads your thoughts and controls a device using those thoughts. The ideal use case for this is for VR. So you put this on your head to uncomfortably dig into your scalp while you have your headset that's only just now starting to become comfortable to wear. And without any sort of controllers or anything, VR that way. We'll see how well it works. I'm curious. I don't think I would buy one of these for 400 bucks. On top of that, this is very much in a developer state. The dev kit is what costs $400. You can't actually buy one unless you lie and say that you're a developer, but then you're buying something that's you know is not going to work. Next mind, we'll keep an eye on you with narrowing eyes. Now, let's say you wanted just instead of Using your mind to control things, have it go the other way. I Actually, I don't know where the Segway was going. Let's pretend you want to look like Professor X. Segway has a wheelchair for you. <laughs> Segway has, I, I kid you not, Segway has made an electric wheelchair. And it, I, it, it looks exactly like it came straight out of the X-Men. Oh, there we go. We combined the, the Segway wheelchair with the next mind. And then, bam, we have created Cerebro from the X-Men. There we go. We, we found it. We found the use case. Thank you, chat. We've cracked the code. CES is making mutants. Nailed it.
No, chat. I'm not shaving my head. Let's instead talk about a headless cat robot. I'm not kidding when I say that. We have a headless cat robot. Kobo, with the worst spelling in all of existence, has created a small furball with a tail that reacts when you pet it. Granted, this thing is not new. What is new is that Kobo, which is how I'm going to pronounce that now, has made a small version for your purse so that you too can take out your headless cat robot in public and be judged by society. Yeah, it's almost like a triple from Star Trek. Almost, chat. Just, you know, not quite there. But yeah, no, it's clearly meant to be more therapeutic. I mean, that's obviously the the use case here. It, it's still just kind of jarring to see what is, without a doubt, a headless cat robot. Shifting gears radically, Sony only had two things to announce. One being the PlayStation 5 logo. That's all I have to say about it. The PlayStation 5 has a logo. It's exactly what you think. In addition, Sony unveiled a new car! Literally out of nowhere, see, uh, Sony unveils an electric car concept. They call it the Vision S. And unfortunately, it is not a car that is going to be available for purchase. This electric car, its sole purpose in life is supposed to be self-driving, actually be a device that could exist. But the key thing is to have the entire dashboard be one LCD and integrating all their technology into it. It actually does look really cool. And unlike other concept cars, it looks like it could actually be real. Oh yeah, that was the other thing that that it utilizes all of Sony's camera technology rather than using mirrors. Now that now that actually isn't new. But the fact that Sony's using it and trying to put it in all into one big integration piece kind of is. Now, I would not mind seeing Sony and, say, GM or Ford or Toyota, more than likely to Toyota, teaming up to make this real. That actually could be very, very interesting. All right, that's that's enough sobering reality. Let's talk about a printer that prints makeup onto your face. There is no part about the sentence I just said that is incorrect. Opt or opt, I don't know how it's pronounced. 
I don't care. It is a, it, it's what looks like a small electric razor that scans your face and then will print makeup as you pass along, pass it along your face to cover up imperfections on your face. That's its goal. Chat, chat immediately wants to know, will it do tattoos? I don't know. I think it should, but it won't. But here's the downside. This thing is going to be available for, I want to say, $600? Nope. Yes, $600. But here's the killer part. Because it has the same flaw that inkjet printers have. The quote-unquote ink for it is $100. Nope. And thus, no one used it ever. Back to the robot department. Ovis exists. Ovis is a robotic suitcase that will follow you as long as you're wearing a bracelet. And yes, it does in fact use, or at least the final version will, use proximity sensors and whatnot to avoid running into people. My friends, the robot revolution is coming. Also in the weird robot robot department, Lavot, who has appeared quite a few times... I actually should should uh, clarify because chat's calling me out because I said it wrong. Ovis is not new. What's new is that it's actually going to be something you can buy. That is actually supposed to launch, I want to say they said February? Or is it available now? No, it's available now. You can actually get this right now. It's $800. It's cool. That's a hard pass for me, though. Lovat is a weird penguin robot with a pod camera on top of it that looks kind of adorable if you ignore the fact there's a giant pod camera on top of it. And that that has been showing up quite a bit at CES. What's new is that you can finally buy it for a cool three grand. Ha ha ha! Three grand to give my kids nightmares? No! I can do that for cheaper, thank you. There is also an anti-snore pillow that was shown off at CES. What the pillow will do is that it will use sound sensors, aka a microphone, to detect snoring. And by using that, as well as other sensors, adjust your head to stop you from snoring. No word as to what the price is on the anti-snoring pillow. Oh, here we go. $150. There you go. 
And finally, in the world of things announced at CES, at least that I'm willing to talk about, Toyota is making their own city. Yeah, 150 for the pillow is not that bad, chat. But yeah, Toyota wants to build a city for the sole purpose of experimenting their smart technology and self-driving AI and robotics. Toyota plans on building this at the site of one of their decommissioned plants at the base of Mount Fuji. The city is going to be about 175 acres and roughly 2,000 people will be part of the experiment. Construction will begin in 2021. That's all it costs you to live in a technological paradise that could only be seen before on an anime Now, of course, there is much more that was at CES, some of which I'm going to be talking about when I talk about the CES Awards. But the CES Awards, I kid you not, you want to hear about them. We'll be back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. So, once again this year, Engadget presented the CES Awards. Now, I had a huge problem with Engadget last year by the fact that a large chunk of their awards went to Impossible Meats. Despite the fact that Impossible Meats did not bring anything that was actually an electronic device to the electronics consumer show. Or the consumer electronics show. But alas, here we go. Their first category was the best accessibility tech. That went to the Phonak Virtu (laughs) Virtu? Virto Black. It is a hearing aid disguised as earbuds that also just provide the features of being earbuds. I mean, when all's said and done, I have no problem with it. I mean, it's it's an okay product. Maybe there was something better to pick, but you know, I, I have a hard time disagreeing with this. Okay, fine, fine. Hearing aid ear, earbuds is best accessibility tech. Okay, we move on. The best startup goes to a company called Hydroloop. Oh, the best startup company is Hydroloop. Hydroloop is a water filter. It's what it is. It is a water recycling system. It takes what is com- what is referred to as gray water, that being the water that goes 
down the drain in your shower or down your sink, filters it, and reuses the water for non-potable uses, that being your toilet. Their whole thing is that toilets use a large amount of water. And by instead making a whole bunch of waste by using water filtration, we can conserve water and save on waste by using an in-home water filter. No word as to how much power it uses. No word on how much the filters cost. No word how much it costs to make said filters. I just don't see this being all that useful. Now, this technology has already existed. This isn't new. This technology is actually already built into a lot of recreational vehicles, RVs, mobile homes. Because when you're in an RV, water is a very scarce resource. You only have what's in your 20 or 30 gallon tank. Probably bigger, actually. It's not new tech. The the thing that slays me is that they use six different methods in this filter to sterilize the water. But again, it's to be used in non-potable things, mainly toilets. They say it also is used for washing machines, pools, and the garden, which I wouldn't do, especially the garden, because one of the purification methods is going to inevitably be using chlorine. There's a lot of things in here that just don't... <sighs> anyway... I strongly disagree with this. I think there there has to be a better setup startup somewhere in CES. But alas, we move on. But yeah, no. It, it, see, chats chats with me on this. For uh, in mobile environments like RVs, this makes total sense. Hydroloop though builds this just for the home. I'm pretty sure the water treatment plant's going to be able to sanitize the water much more efficiently than a home filter. Best digital health and fitness product. This went to the Withings Scan Watch. Okay, it went to a smartwatch. Big surprise. The actual thing from Engadget reads, to say it, For the best digital and health fitness watch, it may look like an analog watch, but Withings Skin Watch is really a tool for keeping track of your overall health. A heart rate sensor checks how you're doing. If it finds an abnormal cardiac activity, you'll be asked to check your vitals with the onboard ECG. It can also track your sleep and look for signs of sleep apnea with a built-in SPO2 sensor. The device that 
that does all of this look look all a device that does all this look good and still lasts 30 days on a single charge is clearly one that deserves to be crowned the best digital health and fitness product of ces i can't argue with that i can't actually if it all works as advertised great product i agree i can't really argue with that best wearable this went to the olive union smart ear according to engadget the olive union smart ear is a hearing aid disguised as a true wireless earbud earbud singular which helps reduce the stigma that one that can come from one wearing a typical in-ear device it's more comfortable than a hearing aid, yet still offers more premium features like music streaming, different listening modes, and hands-free calling. Unlike true earbuds, though, it's sold as a single unit, so you'd wear it in just one ear to amplify sound if you're someone who needs a little help hearing better. Here's my question. If that's the best wearable, why is that also not the best accessibility device? Or better yet, if the Verto Black, the best accessibility tech, is also a wearable, why is that not the best wearable? This makes no sense. And then, of course, we we go on top of that. This isn't new. Chat realized this right away. Devices like this already exist. Heck, they exist so so well that one was already in the list. Best transportation technology. The Wallbox Quasar. The Wallbox Quasar unlocks one of the exciting technologies of the electric car. The ability to use the battery pack to power your home. Or sell power back to the grid. The giant slab electronic of electrons laying dormant in an EV when it's parked in a garage has the potential to change how we power our homes. The Quasar realizes that possibility. It creates a home vehicle ecosystem. If we want a cleaner planet, we need to use all the resources at our disposal, even our cars. What the heck did I just read? Great, so it drains my battery, which, by the way, means that energy is lost because any energy transferring to or from a battery is energy lost to power my home, which is already on the grid. Hey, you you want to know 
how to be more, how to consume less power and quote unquote, make a cleaner planet. Install solar panels. Don't drain your car. That's dumb. This product is dumb. And the fact that this is the best transportation technology is an insult to literally every other freaking company that came to CES with how with how to reimagine the car. Keep that in mind. This is the best transportation technology. Something that makes your car dead weight. Doesn't anyone else notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Also, if you drain the battery of the of the car too much, you kill the battery, which then means the rare earth metals in your battery are now useless and you have now created unique harmful waste to the planet. Oh, my God. Roberto Baldwin, senior editor at Engadget, by the way, is the person who was responsible for this award. Best home theater product. The Dolby Vision IQ. Oh, boy. Dolby Vision IQ takes a good thing, the Dolby Enhanced Spec for creating and displaying HDR content, and improves its application everyday life. While some of us would prefer to watch every bit of The Mandalorian or John Wick 3 in a darkened room theater, that's not what's available. Beyond just tweaking the picture so it looks the best for the room you're in, Vision IQ is also going to make that difference that different types of content like action and sports documentaries or feature films are presented with the setting that best match for what's on screen. It's tech that should make everyone's home theater experience better and more accurate. Okay. I can kind of see that. I, I, I can see that winning an award. Best connected home product. That goes to the Weber Connect Smart Grilling Hub. I'm not going to bother reading the article here. I'll just briefly describe it. It's a grill with a computer. You tell the computer what you're putting in the grill. And then you insert temperature probes into what you're grilling. And it'll set timers on that. The end. That's it. That's all that is. Keep in mind that this is at a show with AI-controlled refrigerators, a door that can scan for potential intruders, smart lockers so that delivery people can just 
put your packages in a locker rather than leave it on the door to get stolen. But no, no, the grill with temperature probes and a timer. That's the best connected home product. Okay, sure. Why not? Why not? Best phone or mobile device goes to the Galaxy Note 10 Lite. The Galaxy Note 10 Lite, we actually heard about it before CES even started. That's why it wasn't in my roundup, and also because my roundup was enormous. Is basically a toned-down version of the Galaxy Note, reintroduces the headphone jack, and introduces the copying Apple Square camera bump. Because of course they did. <sighs> yeah, sure. Sure. That that that's the best. There were phones with uh with color changing glass to hide cameras. There was folding phones. But uh but no. The redesign of an existing product, that's the best. Okay. Best TV product. The LG... The the LG GX OLED TVs. These I can kind of see. These are those... Those lower-end, smaller... 4K OLED screens I was talking about near the beginning of the show. Yeah, it's those ones. I can kind of see that. Yeah, it's not the fanciest TV at the show, but it's the one that's most likely going to be affordable to the average consumer. Let's be honest. We're not going to shell out thousands upon thousands of dollars, tens of thousands, 50,000s of dollars for some of these over-the-top rolling TV. No one's going to do that unless you really have that kind of spending cash. But no, I, I could see that. The best gaming product. The Razer Kishi. The Razer Kishi, I didn't talk about it because it's that lame, is a... Controller side thing that plugs onto either side of your phone to give you controls. The only thing that this device does better than other devices like it that have already existed is the fact that it plugs into USB-C. This beat out... The Alienware UFO, this beat out all the various gaming monitors, this beat out all the crazy concept laptops. There are a bunch of AMD Ryzen-powered gaming laptops I didn't even cover here. But no, this is the best right here. Uh-huh. Okay. I, I believe you, Nick Summers. Reporter at Engadget. That's that's the best. You you showed me. I was wrong. 
Most unexpected product. This is a category that's dumb. I'm sorry, it's dumb. Who gives an award based on how much you... Wow, I didn't expect that. How do you judge that? Well, regardless, on the, on the criteria, I can't deny it. Um, the Sony Vision S concept car is definitely the most unexpected product. No one came to CES expecting Sony to have a car. Not going to lie. Best sports tech. The Insta 361R. Insta360 is already known for its excellent video stabilization technology, and now it's taken it one step further by offering a modular camera, one that lets you switch between a 360-degree mod, a 4K ultra-wide mod, and a high-quality 5.3K one-inch sensor mod that's co-engineered by Lecra, which I have no idea who that is and how to pronounce that. You can set up the device according to your needs, with the option to mount parts for 3D 180 degree shots or a 360 degree drone footage. This one is very versatile, ambitious action cam. Yeah, okay, it's kind of cool. I can't really argue with it. Chat saying people expected the headless robot cats. It's you you know you 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 say that sarcastically. But um, a lot of us did expect the headless robot cats to show up at uh, CES. The best PC or tablet is and this easiest prediction in the world. It was the XPS 13. Because it's always the XPS 13. For four freaking years in a row, this laptop has won best laptop award. Look, the laptop is good. Don't get me wrong, but really? Everyone else is so boring that the XPS 13 is just that good? Ryzen laptops everywhere. Clevo introduced freaking freaking 16 core Ryzen-based laptops that were completely modular inside and out, but no, 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 no. The XPS 13 is just that good. Okay. Look, I like Dell. I do. But holy cow, there are better products. Best robot or drone goes to the Zero Zero Robotics V-Copter Falcon. All right, I agree with this because that's named as Falcon. And everyone knows that Falcons are the best. All right. You got it right. Okay, actually, in all seriousness, this actually is a very impressive drone. It's one of the few that actually can fly as good as all the quadcopter ones out there, but it only uses two copter blades. So, I mean, when all said and done, yeah, it's actually pretty good. It's it's pretty nice. I can't argue with that. 
So kudos. Best sustainability product. Oh, look, my best friend, the Hydra Loop is back. Oh, boy. Wow. Great. That's that's great. I, I love it. Uh, so there you go best sustainability it's it's a water filter not the 64 core processor that would cut down power consumption by data centers by metric tons actually granted they'd be using the epic processor but i digress Not pick anything else. It's it's the water filter. <sighs> and now for the best in show. The best in show. My case, the, the reason I think Engadget should stop being allowed to give out the official awards. I want to stress that. These are the official CES awards that Engadget is allowed to judge. Best in show, Hydroloop. Let that sink in. Best in show. Was this archaic water filter? Their exact article. That brings us to the best of the best, and the Hydra Loop wins again. This is our first year judging sustainability products, and it feels good to see the winner of that category go on to win Best in Show. The 15 category winners are diverse and all are winners in their own white, but Hydroloop has won our team's vote by a significant margin. Why? Well, as mentioned in, it, in its two other wins, the Hydroloop has the potential to reduce domestic water consumption significantly and negate one of the inevitable effects of climate change, water shortage. Are you kidding me? How small-minded can you be? Even chat raises better questions about this. How is it going to filter? What's the carbon footprint of the filter system? How much waste does the system actually create? How much power does it consume? All of these can easily have a bigger carbon footprint and cause actual climate change faster than it not existing. Now, I made a habit every year except for this year to mention the Verge's awards. The Verge, honestly, their awards weren't that bad. I looked through them, but they were boring. I didn't even mention them here. The 
the ver the, the the problem with the verges one is that their categories were stupid. The thing is, is that what Verge gave the awards to made sense. Even CES when they did the awards made way more sense. These aren't tech journalists. None of these people are tech journalists. None of these people actually, except for a handful, actually looked and said, how useful is the tech? How practical is the tech? They only cared about one thing. Can I say that it's a that it will make an environmental impact the thing is, is that the ones they even tried to be all pro environmentalist on are dumb products hydroloop is is a terrible product its core concept is awful The quasar is even worse. Oh, let's drain your battery on your car to power your home. Why? So I'm trapped at home? None of these things actually solve anything. But yeah, as you can tell, I decided not to talk about the Verge Awards because we've been going two hours on this. And it's time to finally say enough is enough. And Gadget, you need to rethink your life. You really need to rethink how you are going about these awards because this is embarrassing. You put a water filter above everything else I talked about and Everything else I talked about in this podcast would have made a better best in show than Hydroloop. That is the purpose of this two-hour podcast. Thank you so much for listening to it. Please check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon and check out my daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, wherever you found this one. Take care, and I hope to see you next week. You know, I you know this whole time I didn't actually talk about any of the any of the sex tech that was that was talked about at CES. Huh. Yeah, this year that was allowed again and like no one talked about it except for CNN. Maybe Engadget talked about it too. I don't know. The point is 
What the heck, Engadget? Just what the heck?